0: or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. A skilled business growth consultant, a CEO and executive team coach, a facilitator for strategic thinking and planning, and research and development catalyzing, Brad Smith is interested in executives and companies who are ambitious, curious, and courageous enough to want more insight, more for their company, and more for themselves with less effort. Brad is particularly interested in companies poised for significant growth, executive suite culture renovation, research and development facilitation for magnitude leaps, and honing executive effectiveness. Brad is also the chief executive officer of Stellar Insight, a business growth coaching firm. Hello, Brad. Hi. How are you?
1: I am excellent. I love adventures. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well this will definitely be an adventure. So thank you so much for joining us and I did a light introduction of you and I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about not only what you've done but really how you're connecting with the marketplace today.
1: Um okay, so we'll go to kind of the core of my drives. My drive I grew up in a household that was all about invention. Um, my dad had a bachelor's in chemical engineering and a PhD in biochemistry, and he essentially invented the liquid diet drink industry. He came out with the two products, the first two products on the market, and then we kind of evolved from, from there. So I, I grew up in that household. When we moved to uh, from in, uh, the Midwest, Indiana, to um, or Oregon, I watched him in Oregon be involved in the startup of 34 different companies. But because he was a product guy, he was he was involved in the products and not so much the business end. And so, thirty of them didn't work, but three or four of them did. Three of them are still running today. So um, that kind of bit that bit the bug. It's like all the stories, all thirty-four came through the household, and I had a chance to, you know, it's like, well, Dad, why did you do this one? You know, why did you do this one? So. When I got down to kind of wrapping up my education, um, even though I'd gotten within a couple terms of a degree in uh, uh, biochemistry, I went back and finished my bachelor's degree in business management and then MBA in marketing and finance so that I could do the things that were necessary to make a business work. And what I realized after I'd finished that was um, it was, It was important for me to find people who were really ambitious and then fine-tune them. So once I got into coaching, which was 25 years ago, I found that by listening deeply, I could help people accomplish things they didn't think they could accomplish, which I love.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's a great, great experience, and you use two key words that I think are important to our listeners when we think about bravery at work, which is curiosity and listening, right Being curious, and uh, of course, if you're going to be curious, you have to listen, and both of those seem to be uh, kind of uneducated skill sets for many business professionals. what have been What has been your experience?
1: Um, we train ourselves into who we are by the experiences we have in our childhood Um, early on fall term freshman year at oregon state i found that i had um developed an ulcerated colon a bleeding ulcer and the doctor said to me here's the quote the doctor said to me gee brad if you'd have waited six weeks to come see me you'd have bled to death it was pretty bad so he had my attention and then he said um You'll never eat strawberries, corn, or lettuce ever again in your life. And my 18 year old brain said, Fat chance, buddy, that ain't happening. And then he said, You have a psychosomatic disease. Your, uh, your emotions affect the severity of your symptoms. And in that moment, even though I didn't have all the answers, I made the internal commitment to conquer, right? So I took on watching Brad like a beaker, right? Chemistry, watch Brad the beaker and see which emotions have made my bleeding worse, made my pain worse. And it was, you know, it's like a 24 hour thing. So it gave me the ability to track emotions, track character, track patterns and put that into business. If you have a business that declares bankruptcy two years earlier, that's about the pace. Two years earlier, they made decisions that took them off the rails. And so my my job when I step in with a client is to listen to them so deeply. I know all the gaps they have. I know all the holes they have and the things, how how their character is headed toward either success or not.
0: Well, I'm just a little bit curious about Beaker, Brad, and I'm wondering, did you observe any particular emotions that led to more uh, pain or bleeding?
1: Well, so the whole thing came down to, I tracked it for about two years and got the bleeding stopped, and that was partly diet. But I also tracked deeper and found that um, I had a belief in conditional love. And when I didn't feel loved and I didn't feel safe, which is a key piece in bravery, if I didn't feel safe, then I pushed energy from that part of my body. So tracking deeper I found a memory that I, you know, normal conscious memory that I had at about 14, maybe 12 months old. I was walking and being curious, playing in the diaper pail. My mom walked up, freaked out, right, because my hands were in the diaper pail and spanked me. And at that moment, I made the decision I was not safe. And so I went back in with hypnosis at about age 41, 42, um, no, 45, excuse me, and rewired that memory. And within a year, all my symptoms were gone, period. Wow.
0: Wow, that's fantastic.
1: That's led me some really deep understanding. The other thing that I found about myself is I'm quiet when I need to be. I'm an extrovert when I get to be. Um but I also have a really strong sense of justice. If I see something, here's an example, if I see something going on, that I I will immediately step up, right? So driving down the road, come to a stop sign, there's a stoplight there, stop. I look off off to my right and here's um, a bus stop with kids waiting for a bus and one kid who was bigger Right? Maybe a year older picks up a stick and starts going after a kid. I stopped my car, put my flashers on, got out of my car and settled the situation down. Right? Yes, I made the young boy feel guilty to take and put his stick down. But I said, don't. Do not hit him with that stick. That is unacceptable behavior. Those are the words that came up, but I stopped it. So there's an, a short example.
0: Well, you're sort of talking a little bit about something we've heard on the podcast with others when you talk about safety and in the workplace, we call it psychological safety where you right So where you want to ensure that people can say what they need to say uh, without feeling judged or belittled. And so that's a extremely significant and important behavior to have, which my experience in working with organizations, uh, they don't hit it often, uh, you know, Quite rare that you find a leader who is aware of psychological safety and actually uh, models it and rewards it and recognizes it.
1: Hi, I'm Bruce Tulgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work. If you like listening to Be Brave at Work as much as I enjoyed being a guest, maybe you'll like our podcast, The Indispensables. Every week I ask my guests what sets them apart in the workplace, what makes them tick. What makes them so successful? I've interviewed so many amazing people, executives, rock stars. Uh, I interviewed New York Times columnist Ron Lieber, former chief of staff of the United States Army, General Dennis Reimer, General Greg Langell, who was deputy commanding general of Joint Special Operations Command. If, if, If you're interested, please listen and subscribe to The Indispensables on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this show.
0: You work with small businesses. What what are some of the experiences that you've had with businesses as it relates to creating psychologically safe environments?
1: So I don't, I won't, because I'm under client privilege, I won't mention names or no names situations
0: even, right?
1: I have a client that I just recently took through a situation where after spending a year working with, with my direct client, I realized that his customer was abusive like aggressively abusive and i finally went up the ladder two two steps to get to um the president of that particular division and said look this situation is egregious this has to stop but the way to handle it is to go in and talk to your your counterpart in the other company and get this stopped. this is unacceptable and um plus i think you lose your you lose your employee so the 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 regional the, the division manager went in and talked to him talked to his counterpart and we got it stopped i was stunned but it it worked and like the whole situation is radically different now
0: uh you, you were stunned that it stopped or it
1: stopped well because the other the guy that it was egregious right uh, gave his notice and, Got and left.
0: Well, that's always one solution is you... Uh, well, you know.
1: he, he he was being held accountable for his behavior.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. And so he decided he wasn't either appropriately situated or needed to move on.
1: Right. Well, one of the things that I have found over the literally the decades I've worked with this is if someone is... And I work both sides of the abuse question right? I've walked in and I've helped people on on the downside, but I've also helped people that were, every human being lives inside their own bubble, everybody. And so if they're doing things that are unacceptable, helping them understand what they're doing, at least how to modify their behavior can be done, right? But almost everybody who is on the uh, aggressive side of, of a bad situation, isn't actually willing to change or in some situations they're not capable of change and so you go in and you apply pressure i had a client years ago who was the easiest way to describe her was a, a, a narcissist and an aggressive narcissist and so she, everybody in her team and there were probably 15 people in her team were like crushed constantly and not happy and going to HR about it. And so I walked in, I started coaching her directly, and within two weeks, the behavior stopped. And what was amazing to me was I worked with her for a year, maybe a year and a half, and then the company went through, we went through the, uh, the ana- economic downturn and they were pretty deeply affected. So I stopped working with that company. And the word back from the HR director was two months after I stopped working with that person, her behaviors came back exactly. So I was able to... Uh, uh,
0: The bad behavior.
1: The bad behavior came back exactly. And so they had to fire her.
0: Right. Well, that's what we oftentimes worry about. And this is why people may not choose to be brave at work, is they're afraid they can't influence a positive outcome. And either they're going to damage the relationship if they have one with their boss, or if their boss is listening, may modify short-term, but long-term just goes back to the way they were previously, right? So, you know, it's interesting that that was the example you had, because I would imagine and I would hope during the two weeks where this client was behaving better, that- they a year and a half. year and a half, that there were better outcomes for this person, that they would have seen behaving better. And apparently that didn't stick.
1: Nope. Nope. There are, there are, yeah. Anyway, you need to get deep into the psychology of it, but I watched that because of my personal experience with the colitis. I read character really, really well. And I know the pressure points inside someone to help them achieve what they want to achieve. If they want to achieve happiness in their group, that's one thing, but getting them to want that is a whole different animal.
0: So in the work that you have done with clients and client companies, Brad, are there any words or phrases you think of when you think about bravery at work?
1: You have to have a commitment to yourself first. In other words, my sense of justice is very, very strong. And it gets me emotional, but it's like, I want people to be safe. I want people to be uh, strong. And so if I see a situation, first look inside yourself yourself. Okay. Self-awareness is always the key. Okay. Then situational awareness comes second. But until you do self-awareness first, you can't know the power differentials that are necessary to correct a situation. Look inside yourself and say, am I capable of stepping in? And do I care about the cost? Right? If you're insecure, that's another inside awareness, right? Right? My insecurities keep me from speaking up, okay? Look at your insecurities and say, how can I over time let go of my insecurities and become more certain in myself? Because the core of internal personal strength is certainty. What are you certain about, right? And I had to do that whole discussion at the start of my business when I was doing cold calling and had one really, really horrible afternoon. I'm going, okay, what's really going on? So I put out flip chart paper on the wall and I literally coached myself through the situation, got down to that the core of every piece of strength I had in me was a specific point of certainty. And so I started studying certainty. What creates, how do I create certainty in myself? And what I got to was, well, okay, what are you certain about? Well, I'm certain about the alphabet. How did you get certain about that? I'm certain about my ability to drive from point A to point B. How did you get that way? Conscious presence in learning. The only reason we're insecure is because we haven't taken full responsibility. So the key words I would have is study yourself, be aware of yourself, study your insecurities, right? Study how and where you are strong, study certainty and how to grow it and then make the commitment to be more than you are. And once you're more than you are right now, you have the strength necessary to step on the situations. You know, if I'd been fired, big deal, right? I would have stepped in. I had big situations where I was in the middle of a, a big electronics company, and I was a, you know, a frontline worker. And then I got promoted up. But it's like, as a frontline worker, I opened my mouth when I saw things that weren't right. You know? Uh,
0: Absolutely. And I'm just wondering if you can share for our listeners, you know, if I wanted to have commitment to self and I've not gone through any exercise to do that, what's the first step? How do I become clearer on who I am and what I believe in so I can use that as a foundation for difficult conversations?
1: There are. Two sides to every human being. There are our weak sides, our insecurities, the things we're not strong in, and there are our strengths, right? So write down a list of both. Where are my gaps? What am I insecure about? What do I hate in my life? Right? And if you take all of that and then what am I good at? What am I really strong in? Right? And what am I willing, where am I willing to be uncomfortable? Right, That's part of the insecurities and part of the strengths. Write those things down and then write out what is it I really want in my life and how am I going to accomplish it, right? If we're a victim, it means we're still suffering from the idea that we're an infant or a toddler. And we haven't grown up into the idea that we could be in charge of everything in our life. So if you see a situation that needs to be corrected, right? Go first inside, then step out. but walk through your insecurities. It takes time to change these things, right? Give yourself time, but start
0: now. Well, I'm a big, big fan of self-awareness. I believe helping clients grow their self-awareness on how others experience them as well as how they experience themselves is uh, super critical, right? And it sounds like that's a key. Uh, activity or component of really figuring out how to be committed to yourself?
1: Well, if a client is ambitious, right, and they're curious, those are the two key ingredients that I need. And I take their ambition and map out what's possible and then stretch them constantly until we actually achieve that. So if someone comes in and they says, oh, I wanna do this, let's see if we can double the size of your company right? And then double the growth rate. And if we can double the size of your company on an annual basis, which is my real goal, right? Then we've achieved something.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, Brad, it has been great talking with you today. I deeply appreciate your time and insights into the work that you do and how it connects with business professionals related to bravery at work. And I'm just curious if folks wanted to reach out to you and find out more about you and your organization, where can they go to? Uh, My
1: website is uh, Stellar Insight, Inc. I asked myself, what is it I really provide? And I realized I sell insight. So Stellar is, you know, how high can you go,
0: right? Right. And that's S-T-E-L-L-A-R, correct? Right.
1: StellarInsightInc.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, Brad, thanks again for your thoughts today. Deeply appreciated. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cap at Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at capatrisk.com.